This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro, Channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn, Radio Romania International 1, and in Europe via satellite Utilsat 16A on 11,512 MHz, vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east. We wish you good reception conditions. Welcome, I'm Mihaela Ignatescu with the news. The headlines. Bucharest is hosting the fourth working group for the implementation of the EU strategy on fighting anti-Semitism and fostering Jewish life. The 2023 stage of the photovoltaic greenhouse program started in Romania. And Romanian tennis player Irina Begu takes on today the Greek Maria Sakari in the quarterfinals of the WTA 1000 tournament in Madrid. The fourth meeting of the Working Group for the Implementation of the European Union Strategy on Combating Antisemitism and Fostering Jewish Life begins today in Bucharest. Over 80 national and European officials, as well as representatives of Jewish communities and international organizations from EU member states, Ukraine and the Republic of Moldova, will debate for three days topics of interest such as the development and implementation of national strategies in the field, the progress made in the implementation of the European strategy on the fight against anti-Semitism and fostering Jewish life or the dangers posed by anti-Semitism. The Romanian government has stated that the organization of this meeting in Bucharest represents, among other things, a good opportunity to highlight the progress that Romania has made in this field. Two years ago, the European Union adopted the first strategy on combating anti-Semitism and fostering Jewish life for the 2021-2030 timeframe. The strategy aims to prevent and combat all forms of anti-Semitism, to protect and promote Jewish life, education, research and the memory of the Holocaust. Deputies from the Romanian Parliament's Education Committee are resuming debates on the education bills today. The deadline for the adoption of the bills, originally set for April 26, has already been extended, and although the documents are under emergency procedure, the discussions have been suspended several times in order to request points of view from other institutions. The debates on the pre-university education bill have been completed, though, and important changes have been made regarding admission to high school or the baccalaureate exam, but also regarding sanctions for disciplinary violations. At the same time, the members of the specialized committee adopted several amendments to the new higher education law and will consider finalizing the report this week. The two bills will then be submitted to the plenary vote of the Chamber of Deputies and subsequently to the Senate, which is the decision-making body in this matter. 
The 2023 stage of the photovoltaic greenhouse program has started in Romania. As of May 2nd, companies and individuals who install such alternative green energy systems can register for this program. Afterwards, the procedures would begin for the people who want to benefit from the 4,000 euro from the state budget for the installation of photovoltaic panels. Especially after the increase in electricity and natural gas prices, in Romania the demand for solar panels has rocketed. More on this after the news. The Romanian Minister of National Defense, Angel Tilvar, is paying a formal two-day visit to the neighboring Republic of Moldova. The agenda of the first day of the visit includes meetings with President Maya Sandu, Prime Minister Dorin Recian and with Igor Grosu, the President of the Moldovan Parliament. The Wednesday agenda of the Foreign Ministry delegation includes a visit to the headquarters of the 1st Motorized Infantry Brigade in the municipality of Bălți. 20,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in Ukraine since December 2022, and another 80,000 have been wounded, estimated the White House spokesperson for national security John Kirby, quoted by the BBC. He stated that the biggest Russian losses were recorded in the battle for the city of Bakhmut. He also said that the Russian offensive in Donbass has exhausted the Kremlin's military stocks and armed forces. In turn, the Ukrainian forces have reported that 460 Russian invaders have been neutralized in the last 24 hours. According to the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine, the number of Russian army soldiers killed on the front since the beginning of the war on February 24, 2022, has exceeded 190,000. The Federation of Trade Unions from the National Administration of Penitentiaries in Romania has announced that it is considering starting protest actions for an indefinite period of time this month as a result of information appearing in the public space related to salary cuts and layoffs. The organization draws the attention of the Social Democrats and Liberals, the main political parties that make up the current governing coalition, that cutting the salaries of state employees, including the police, military and penitentiary police, and laying off state officers means electoral suicide for them. And now news from sports. Today, the Romanian tennis player Irina Bego takes on Maria Sakari of Greece in the quarterfinals of the WTA 1000 tournament in Madrid with more than 7.7 million euros in prize money. Previously, the Romanian has defeated the Russian Lyudmila Samsonova. Bego has not lost a single set at the current edition of the Spanish tournament. Thanks to the results in Madrid, she became this week the best-ranked Romanian player, surpassing Simona Halep, which is currently suspended for doping. And that was the news. The May 1st holiday and the nice weather drew large crowds towards the country's tourist area. I'm Elena Enake with more on this topic in a report by Eugen Koroyanu. <music> Hundreds of thousands of Romanians took advantage of the short holiday occasioned by the May 1st celebration and encouraged by the nice weather spent three days on the Black Sea coast in the Danube Delta or at the mountain. Those who chose not to travel attended local food courts to celebrate with barbecues and beer. The sunny Black Sea coast was, as usual, the most popular destination, a welcome change of atmosphere after a cold and rainy spring. Tourists, most of them young, 
had to navigate traffic jams to get to their destination and then return home. The motorway connecting the capital Bucharest to the Black Sea Resort and the European road between the capital city and the mountain resort on Prahova Valley were, as expected, the busiest. Music festivals like Beach Please and Sunwaves, as well as various gastronomy festivals, drew tens of thousands of people to the beaches in Kostinesht, Mamaya, Constanza and Vama Veke. People spent time around barbecues on the beach or walking around the resorts. Numerous events were staged in clubs and outdoors. Tourists opting for the mountain area went hiking and even had the unexpected chance to practice winter sports at high altitudes in Sinaya Resort. Baila Felix Spa Resort in the northwest was also crowded. Tourists from all over the country enjoyed the sun, while hotel and guest house owners welcomed their guests with tempting offers specific of the May Day celebration, such as barbecues, festive dinners and relaxation. A 300-kilo spit-roast calf seasoned with plum brandy from Bihor, a well-known local alcoholic beverage, was a well-deserved reward. The aqua park in the resort offered foam parties, aqua zumba and animators. Not everybody was partying, though. Police officers with the anti-drug brigade were busier than usual. Over two kilograms of high-risk drugs and various sums of money were confiscated following checks at the music festivals on the beach. One person was arrested. Another two men, a Briton and a Czech, were caught while trying to sell ketamine, cocaine and ecstasy at a festival. Traffic police was also quite busy fining overspeed and drink or drug driving. Food safety inspectors gave many fines across the country in the past three days. More than 1,300 food units were checked, many of which received fines, had their products confiscated or were even closed down. Contractors installing solar panels can enroll in a new program funded by the Environment Fund Administration. I'm Vlad Palku with this report by Roxana Vasile. The 2023 solar-powered greenhouse program has kicked off. Starting May the 2nd, companies and contractors installing such alternative green energy systems can sign up. Procedures for natural or legal persons who want to secure the €4,000 subsidy from the state will then start. Environment Minister Tansos Barna estimates the existing funds might be doubled, in which case nearly 150,000 households are expected to install solar panels by the end of the year, provided there are enough specialized companies enrolled in the program. Companies that install photovoltaic panels can enroll. Starting May 16th, they can submit funding applications for the first euro region. We have divided the funding requests on separate periods depending on euro region to ease pressure on computer systems. If we manage to secure the approval of the European Commission, Together with Minister for Investments and European Projects, Mr. Bolosh, we may also double the budget for this program this year and thus have 150,000 systems installed in 2023. Environment Minister Tansos Barna. 
Those who want to apply for funding in the 2023 phase of the program need to provide evidence their household has the proper documentation with the Land Registry Office, that they have no payment obligations, and that their ID address corresponds with the address mentioned in the application form. To apply for state subsidies, this year applicants can register directly instead of resorting to specialized companies in the computer application of the Environment Fund Administration. By installing solar panels that produce green energy, they can offset their own consumption and then deliver the surplus to the national grid. Beneficiaries can secure funding of up to 90% of the total value of eligible expenses, up to a maximum of €4,000, for the installation of solar panels with a minimum power of 3 kilowatt hour. The total budget stands at some 500 million euro, which will be divided to 100,000 applicants. Whether they apply for state subsidies or choose to cover the entire expenses from their own pocket, Romanians are more and more interested in alternative sources of green energy and securing energy independence. After prices for electricity and natural gas went up, the demand for solar panels also reported a significant increase. And that has wrapped up our newscast. Report of the day. Welcome everyone, I'm Vlad Palku. The Humanitas Cismigiu Library in Bucharest last week hosted the launch of the Romanian version of Danis Delatent's latest volume in a search of Romania. The volume tells the story of the renowned historian's association with our country, which goes back to 1965 when he first visited. In Search of Romania paints Delatent's first-hand experience with the communist regime, from the surveillance of himself and his future wife Andrea to all his contacts with the outside world and local dissidents, his articles and contributions to the BBC World Service up to him being declared persona non grata in 1988. Delatent has been perhaps the leading academic expert on Romania since the dark days of Nicolae Ceausescu, when he showed remarkable courage in standing up against the dictatorship. He has watched with affection and deep insight as the country has changed and developed since. His relationship with Romania is fascinating, and this book is essential reading for everyone who wants to understand it, says John Simpson, World Affairs Editor at BBC News, in a review. Attending the launch of this volume in Bucharest, Denis Delatent recalled a meeting he had with Corneliu Coposu, the leader of the National Peasant Party. I would also like to recall a meeting I had with Corneliu Coposu shortly after the revolution. On January 4, 1990, I arrived with a team from the BBC in the final days of the revolution. 
I couldn't have arrived earlier since I had been declared persona non grata. I called Mr. Coposo on January 3rd and announced my arrival. He told me, yes, Mr. Delatant, come meet me at the headquarters of the National Peasant Party. I told him, I don't want to impose, I imagine you must be a very busy man. But he told me to come. I arrived at the address on a very cold Sunday morning. I entered the building and Mr. Coposo greeted me cigarette in hand. He invited me for a walk outside, where apparently was warmer than inside. We stopped at a pastry shop, had coffee, and I asked him about the prospects of political parties other than the National Salvation Front. He looked at me with surprise and told me, Mr. Delatant, it pains me to say this, but all parties in Romania have been infiltrated by the Securitate. If we don't get rid of them, our future will be very bleak. Denis Delatant is visiting Ionaratiu Professor of Romanian Studies at Georgetown University, an emeritus professor of Romanian studies at the UCL School of Slavonic and East European Studies. He has authored numerous works on the history of Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Inside Romania. Welcome to Inside Romania, today with me, Cristina Matescu. The names of some of the sausages made in Romania also contain their place of origin. Such examples include the Banat sausages from southwestern Romania, the Sekla sausages from eastern Transylvania, and which are made after different recipes but have one ingredient in common, namely paprika, which gives them their dark red color, something that is also brought about by the smoking process to which they are subjected so that they can keep longer, as well as the Oltenian sausages, the spicier version of thin, semi-smoked sausages known as cabanos. The eastern region of Buzo is known for two types of sausages containing this denomination of origin, the Pleshkoi sausages and the Buzo babik. The Pleshkoi sausages were added to the list of products with protected geographical indication in the European Union in 2019. They are made in Buzo County at several locations, including that which gives the product its name. There are two types of Pleshkoi sausages, dried and smoked, and in both versions the main ingredient is mutton, two-thirds, as well as beef, one-third. The traditional recipe allows for mutton to be replaced with goat meat, but no more than 10%. The condiments used are chili peppers, thyme, paprika and chili powder, garlic and salt. They are traditionally cooked on the grill or in the pan and served as a cold starter or together with other grilled products, with or without a side dish and with pickled green tomatoes or cucumbers. The Bulgarian and Serbian refugees who settled in the Buzo area at the end of the 18th century as a result of the Russian-Turkish wars adopted the local recipe for Pleshkoi sausages but made some changes, using pork instead of mutton, probably to spite the Ottomans. They also added dried and finely cut chili pepper and this led to the creation of what is today known as the Buzo Babik or the Buzo Serbian Babik. 
George Buzohi tells us more about how the babic was born. Din necesitate. De ce? Exista iarna un porc. Doi, fiecare. Un vițel, doi. Out of need, everyone kept a pig or two in their farms, and they also had cows. The babic is very good for people to take with them when working the land in the summer, because it keeps well. It's a dried raw product. It's full of fat, but its taste is not spoiled. You can imagine how much protein there is in a product that is not treated to heat. Farmers didn't have a lot of money and the babik was all they needed as protein. George Buzoi also enlarged on the content of the babik. Meat, namely pork and not necessarily beef, and the pepper paste, which is the biggest secret of all. The pepper paste is extremely expensive to buy. A lot of peppers must be set aside from the summer harvest to make this paste. We make it at home. It adds both color and taste. The recipe also contains some chili and salt. The drying and smoking process is also very important. The recipe for babik is passed down from generation to generation, as in the case of Marcel and Valentin Popa, father and son who are babic makers from the area. We have to respect the quantities of meat and spices to make the product, and we only use naturally grown pepper and thyme, no other condiments. Costel Matei also makes babic sausages and described for us the process. Vita porc, 60 punem porc, 40 vita. Beef, 40%, pork, 60%, paprika and pepper paste. The pepper is dried and then ground and boiled twice, so that from a sack of peppers you end up with two jars of pepper paste of 200 grams. It's an essential product. It keeps well and it's very tasty. The recipe also contains salt and that's about it. The secret is in how you net the mix, only using the fists. We net it twice a day for three or four days until the mixture starts giving off a pleasant smell of stale meat. The casings are then filled with this mix. The sausage is pierced, especially at the ends, and it is then hung up to dry until the skin sticks to the meat for five or six days, depending on the level of humidity, and then it's smoked. In the Buzau region, people even make babik soup with lots of vegetables and very thinly sliced pieces of this sausage. Until this product is however included in the register of products with protected geographical indication, local producers must work together to make sure that even industrial producers make the babik after the same recipe. And that was Inside Romania.
This is Radio Romania International. Cultural event. Welcome to Cultural Event with me, Elena Enake. The Bucharest City Museum has prepared a new exhibition that will be open until the end of May. Ligia Macovei in private collections. The exhibition presents works from the Eduardo Zunov collection. Ligia Macovei, 1916-1998, was a graphic designer and painter, but also an important art collector, together with her husband, architect Pompiliu Macovei. We talked about the exhibition with the deputy director of the Bucharest City Museum, Elena Olariu. It is an older research which museographs from the art department of the Bucharest City Museum carry out in order to identify the private collections that include artists that we have in the museum's portfolio. A more complex program is underway. This project began in 2022 with two special events that took place at the Rottenberg Uzunov Gallery and were carried out in partnership with the Bucharest City Museum. In the house, which is a memorial house dedicated to Lydia Makovei and her husband, who was a very important art collector, we have, in addition to works by the two aforementioned artists, sketches and experiments that were made on the occasion of presentations to the publishers in an attempt to convince them to purchase these drawings. Some are unique because the version that Mr. Uzunov has in his private collection is full of color. We know that in the end, the black and white drawings were picked to illustrate books, but in the private collection, there is also the color version. Through this exhibition, we enter the artist's creative laboratory. We are very happy that Mr. Uzunov decided to donate the color version of these works to the Bucharest City Museum, and thus they continue to live, so to speak, as part of the Ligia and Pompiliu Makovei art collection. We invite you to come and see this wonderful house and the art collection that is on display here. Artist Ligia Makovei remained in the public memory through the illustrations she made for poetry books by great Romanian poets, such as Mihai Minescu, Tudor Arghezi, and the Nobel Prize laureate, the Italian poet Salvatore Quasimodo. Elena Olariu told us more about the illustrations in the exhibition. The sketches, the artist experiments opposite to the illustration of the Argezi creation are also presented, an original project that has not been carried out in Romania before and a fruitful collaboration that also gave us this idea to continue with an exhibition right in the house where the artist lived, and which is now the Ligia Makovei Museum. It is, in fact, the result of this research. There is also an album dedicated to Ligia Makovei, an extremely interesting artist, a very talented graphic designer, because she also illustrated other important books of Romanian and foreign literature. And that has been Cultural Event.
Next in this program, sports. Welcome to Sports Roundup. I'm Vlad Palku. The Romanian men's handball team has qualified to the 2024 European Championship to be hosted by Germany. Romania ranked second in preliminary Group 4, despite losing 26-31 to Ukraine in Sunday's match played in Gummerbach, Germany. Austria ranked first with 12 points, followed by Romania, the Faroe Islands and Ukraine, each with four points, although separated by their goal average score. Romania's last presence in the European Championship was in 1996. In women's handball, this weekend saw matches counting towards the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinals. On Sunday, Rapid Bucharest lost at home 31-25 to Vipers Christian Sand of Norway, the defending champions. The top scorers for Rapid were Sorina Grozav with five goals, Eliza Buczewski with four goals and Lorena Ostase with three goals. The return leg will be played this Saturday in Norway. The Romanian vice-champion CSM Bucharest lost away from home to Danish side team Esbjerg 32-28. The top scorers for CSM were Emi Heg Arnsen with 10 goals and Cristina Nagu with 7 goals. The return leg will be played in Bucharest this Sunday. The World Boxing Championships are underway in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. Representing Romania are Andrei Mustets in the 67kg category, Paul Andrei Aradoie in the 80kg category and Emmanuel Constantin Mikan in the 92kg category. Total prizes this year mark a world record in amateur boxing, 200,000 US dollars for gold medals, 100,000 for silver medals and 50,000 for bronze medals double compared to the 2021 edition. This weekend saw matches in the sixth round of the group phase in the Romanian Super League. In Group 2 on Friday, FCU Craiova won 1-0 against Kindia Târgoviște. On Saturday, FC Argeș defeated CS Mioven 2-1, while Petrolul Ploiești grabbed a 1-0 home win against FC Botoșani. On Monday, FC Voluntar won 3-2 against Universitatea Cluj away from home. On Tuesday, UTA Arad will play FC Hermannstad. In Group 1 on Saturday, Shepsi Sfântul Gheorghe drew one all against Farul Constanța. On Sunday, FCSB won 2-1 against Universitatea Craiova away from home, while on Monday, Rapid Bucharest won 3-1 against CFR Cluj at home. And this has been all in Sports Roundup. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Next in this broadcast, stay tuned for your music. Welcome, I'm Mihaela Ignatescu. We devote today's edition to the band Krypton and one of its founding members, the guitar player and composer Dragos Dokan, who has recently celebrated his birthday. We start with Freedom, written and performed by Krypton back in 1992. Yeah. 
we will travel a little longer back in time to listen to a piece by Krypton from 1988, entitled The Rage. <laughs> Today's edition of Your Music, we wish Dragos Tokan many happy returns and invite you to listen to one more piece written and performed by Krypton, titled Three Young Lads.
Living Romania. Coming up next in the program. New names on the cover. Welcome to a new edition in our new names on the cover series. I'm Eugen Nasta. This week's guest in the program is an up-and-coming writer of exceptional quality. Cristina Kira's collection of short stories, Raluca Never Slept with Tudor, was brought out as part of Polyron Publishers' Ego Prose Collection. The volume was launched in early April 2023 at the Posh Humanitas Cishmiju Bookshop in Bucharest. Cristina Kira is a graduate of an MA program in creative writing offered by the Birkbeck College in London. I Never Sang for My Father is the title of a groundbreaking 1970 US film production featuring Gene Hackman. 
It was his twelfth film, actually. The title is apparently unassuming yet catchy, just as Raluca Never Slept With Tudor is. For our English-speaking listeners from around the world, I first ask the young author to puzzle us out as to why she has chosen the title for the entire collection of short stories. Hello everyone, and thank you very much, Eugen, for having me on the show. I wrote the story that gives the name of the volume, Raluca Never Slept With Tudor, during a creative writing workshop where we were asked to write a sex scene. It wasn't something I was ever interested in doing, and to be honest, I was even planning on skipping the assignment. But then Florignaro, who was the leader of the workshop, he explained to us that in order for a sex scene to be more than pornography or erotic literature, it needs to reveal something about the relationship between the characters that can't be shown in any other way. So I thought to myself, oh, okay, so this is about relationships. I think I can write relationships. So I ended up writing a story about adolescent love in which I tried to subvert the notions I grew up with that boys always want to have sex and they just have to convince the girls. In my story, it's the other way around. It's a girl who wants to sleep with a boy who doesn't seem to want to sleep with her. So basically, I wanted to give my female character, Raluca, the freedom to have a sexual appetite, as well as to give Tudor the freedom to say no. The story got way more attention than I imagined. It was published in the magazine Timbul. People ended up wondering why didn't Tudor sleep with Raluca. So I thought of using that. And I'm aware that the title is a nice hook, um, but I think it also encapsulates what most of the stories are about. They're about young people, they're about um, relationships, and if you read the stories, you'll also see that they're about the difference between expectations and reality, the difference between the stories we tell ourselves either to deceive ourselves or just because this is what we were taught and, rela- and reality. And I think in this gap between expectations and reality, um, in bridging this gap is where learning and growing happens. So it's basically a volume about growing up. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Again, for our English-speaking listeners from around the world, I asked Cristina Kira to outline one, maybe two characters in the short stories that can be of interest to our listeners. I'm going to try to outline not one, not two, but three characters. So, although my characters have various names and biographies, I think the first part of the volume is dominated by a character who we can generically call Raluca. Um, She's a young woman who navigates love, friendship, family, various contexts such as hitchhiking, festivals, concerts, in a quest to understand who she is and why she does the things she does. Um, I didn't want to make her a victim, but she isn't always a winner either. Um, She's rather someone who grows. That is what I meant to achieve, and this is what I hope the reader gets from her. There is a story I'm particularly fond of called Porolisum, like the old Roman city in Transylvania, because that's where the story is located. So there's a girl on tour with a rock band that has been invited to perform at a small festival at Porolisum. Now, the main character doesn't like groupies. She can justify her presence there so as not to be a groupie. She is the official tour photographer. She is the girlfriend of one of the boys in the band. But the story forces her to confront the fact that she is treated like a groupie. And then she has to realize that she has chosen to be there, that she isn't helpless. She just needs to understand her choices and, I don't know, maybe change them. 
Um, the second part of the book, starting with the story Ziua 32, Day 32, is about migration and the tension that appears between one's identity at home and the new identity that one has to fabricate in the adoptive country. I lived in the UK for a few years and then in Spain. And it was a very interesting experience to me to see myself trying to establish an identity in every new place. And although the stories, the action per se, um, are made up, the feeling at the core of these stories is real. A woman's point of view in life, but also as regards a writer's craft, is more minute, more accurate and more comprehensive than that of a man. Being able, in her pieces of short fiction, to illustrate the grit of multi-layered perception by keeping the writer concise, at once capturing the vastness of a character's inner universe. Was that a staple writing technique, or was there more to it than that? Cristina Kira once again. I don't know if I agree with the statement that this type of accurate, concise, comprehensive writing is specific to a certain gender. But I do prefer writers who can tell multi-layered stories and who can dive into themselves and then bring to the surface and put into words how our minds and our hearts function in their most minute and intimate details. This is what I think the AI won't be able to offer us anytime soon, this honest look into ourselves. As for the question of technique, accuracy and conciseness are indeed typical of contemporary Anglo-Saxon literature. But I think that what you choose to express in this manner is still up to the writer. And since you brought up writing from a woman's point of view, I deliberately chose for this volume stories written from a female perspective because I'm a woman and this is how I experience the world. But also because I grew up with Romanian literature and with translations that focused mostly on how men viewed the world. And this was fine and very instructive, but now I want to contribute to the puzzle of human experiences presented in Romanian literature with my perspective. And I'm looking forward to reading others who do the same. In most of her short stories, Identity Quest and the quest for true love cannot be separated from one another. The punchlines at the end of her stories are very powerful, revolving around that otherwise intricate relationship. I wanted to find out from Cristina Kira if she did that for the sake of a refined writer's craft. Did she invite her readership to go beyond and ponder or reconsider their own personal lives? Cristina Kira once again. This is a very good point and I want to thank you for making it. I hadn't thought of it like that, but you're right. I do spend a lot of time pondering the impact of relationships on identity and of identity on relationships. But this is how identity works, doesn't it? Um, we are constantly giving and taking from others. The others are part of us, whether as friends, lovers, people of reference in our lives, or just people we happen to cross paths with. And it is within this network of relationships that we get to know who we are and define ourselves. And I think it's a very fragile and shifting balance, and I'm very interested in exploring it. In the volume, the order of the stories is not random. It's determined by the level of maturity of characters and how they relate to relationships. From putting a lot of emphasis on relationships in the beginning to gradually becoming more independent from others, more self-assured, more autonomous, and even learning to let go or to choose themselves over another. For example, a story that has proved very popular with everyone who read it 
is um, Peshtishorul Ratechitor, the wandering goldfish, a story about a couple in London who decided to adopt a goldfish that they find abandoned in the corridor of the student hall where they live. She's from Romania, he's from Uganda, and as he has to leave the UK because the visa expires, she is left to take care of the goldfish and try to keep him alive in a world where young people go from one job to the next, from one um, rented flat to the next, looking for security to establish themselves and why not an identity? What is the fate of a relationship in these circumstances? I guess now you need to read the story and find out. That was Christina Kira, whose debut volume of short stories, Raluca Never Slept with Tudor, was brought out by the Polaroom Publishers in early April 2023. I'm Eugen Nasta for Radio Romania International Studios in Bucharest. Bye for now. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International... Simply Folk. Welcome everyone to Simply Folk. In today's program we will be introducing you to Isabella Tomica, a popular folk vocalist from the region of Oltenia in southern Romania. Listen to her in a 2009 recording. Yeah. 
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 17 UTC on 13,750 kHz in the DRM system and on 15,180 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs, tomorrow, at 11 UTC on 15,320 and 17,670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet, at www.rri.ro, channel 1. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye.